Back to the Onyx Report, Black Masculinist News for the Day. You know, where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. I hope y'all are well. Shout out to y'all. See Roaring Sun up in here, Master REB. What's up? Yo, what's going on? Joe Average Brother, Indigo, Lewis, Black Empowerment. What's good, people? Let's see here. Tell him to go get this real quick. All right. Uh, well, sorry for doing a late one, but I have a my teaching schedule has changed for the semester, so they'll either be, especially my Wednesday ones, Monday and Wednesdays, uh, they'll either be earlier or later than my usual five o'clock time for the semester. What's good, artisan? Uh, but I want to get one in because I there's some things I definitely need to talk about. And I don't think I'm going to do a show tonight. I mean, excuse me, tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to do one tomorrow, uh, at least not a live one, because I'll be going to see Ant-Man. And uh, I will be sitting down uh, Friday evening, 5 o'clock Pacific, with Artisan MC and Layman's Journal. We're going to chop it up about Ant-Man and deal with that then. So hopefully uh, y'all will come through. Um, So tomorrow night I'll be going to see that uh, with my son. And uh, so, you know, I wanted to get, make sure I got one in to get that handled. But as I say, um, support the channel, if you will, like, share, subscribe, join and donate. So we can continue to bring you independent black male thought, become a member right here on YouTube of the channel and support the various levels of membership there. All you gotta do is click the join button right next to the subscribe button uh, to do that. You'll be welcome to the Onyx Brotherhood, or you can go to Patreon and you can support from there, become a member uh, or become a patron, I should say. And you can support the Onyx Report right here on YouTube. You can support the Institute for Black Male Studies and you can support the Onyx Network, which you can download on your Android, your iPhone, uh, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, or you can watch it on my website, tsonjohnson.com. So you can support all of those through Patreon. But if you can't do any of those, you know the deal. Um, there's Cash App, there's uh, PayPal, there's Venmo. Um, support the show. Uh, if nothing else, at least hit the like button if you would. Greatly appreciate it so we can continue to do this work. Um, uh, let me back this up. I don't know if I'm going to do that tonight. Because we got a lot to cover. I want to get through. Um, yeah. So, yeah, man, the Indigo, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, looking at Indigo's uh, post, uh, Layman's Journal, Artisan MC, I think that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a chance to kind of get back in my sci-fi bag, you know, release some energy. Um, 
Indeed, Master R.E.B. Jonathan, Ma- Jonathan Majors has been putting in that work. I'm looking forward to seeing him in Creed 3. You know, um, so I'm, uh, I hear he's performed well in both movies. Can't wait to find that out for myself. But he's been pretty consistent. The brother's been, he's talented. Um, and I also like Michael B. Jordan. So I'm looking forward to a number of things coming out. Um, but anyway, let me get to through some of this um, early on some of this stuff because it's important you know the deal we are talking tonight about black men and false accusations and there are a number of different types of false accusations we're going to deal with uh along with some of the more obvious aspects of them you know presentations of them but before we delve into that there's a couple things that i wanted to cover Uh, a couple things i wanted to briefly give word to um, before we dive in, it's not going to take too long. I'm going to try and get straight to it. So here we go. Now y'all know, if you've been paying attention, that we just found out that uh, De La Soul's True Goy the Dove has passed away at 54 years old. And there was no way that I was going to do a show without at least some type of acknowledgement. You know, I'm of the age where... Um, you know, some of my heroes are going down. These are the people I grew up with, grew up listening to. Hell, sometimes they were the same age, you know, and uh, even though this brother has a few years on me, I grew up listening to Daylight, you know, and, um, you know, hearing these brothers passing away is, is, uh, yeah, man, plug two, you know what I'm saying? So this is a piece you can see on allhiphop.com. Uh, and as usual, when the show's over, I'll put all the links for everything I, I cover tonight uh, in the description box so you guys can check them out yourself. Uh, even these things pop up. But so, you know, as you can see, uh, and, damn it. This is ridiculous. Anyway, De La Souls, uh, legend, True Boy the Dove, also known as Dave or Dave Jalakur. I've never known how to pronounce that correctly. Has died. Uh, his team confirmed to all hip hop. Uh, he was 54. Details are scarce, but Trugoy has been struggling with his health over the last few years. 2018, Trugoy opened up about his battle with congestive heart failure. Right? In an Instagram video and admitted he was struggling with being sidelined. Um, says, I'm ready to just get back on stage. He said at the time, he said, I missed that. I love traveling. I love being around my guys. I want that back. In 2020, he gained, again sparked concern when he was briefly hospitalized. He appeared to be in good spirits, however, and was able um, uh, to have an Instagram live conversation with his De La Soul brethren, Pazdanus and Maceo. You know, you can see him there. It was expected to be a giant year for De La. Uh, Talented Trifecta has been fighting to get their first six albums on streaming services after a years of stalled negotiations with Tommy Boy Records, their former label. Last year, Reservoir Media wound up acquiring the Tommy Boy catalog and wanted to help rectify the situation. After more than three decades, their groundbreaking de- uh, debut, Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul is Dead, Balloon Mind State, Stakes is High, Artificial Intelligence, Mosaic Thump, and AOI Bionics will finally be available on all DSPs on March 3rd. So, wasn't even, even able to make it to that momentous moment. I won't go through the whole thing, but all I can say is the brother will surely be missed uh, as a fan, you know. So Joe Lecure, thank you, uh, Roaring Sun. Appreciate that. Um, 
Yeah, man. So yeah, real sad to hear that. Shout out uh, to Dela and uh, plug two. You will be missed. You know. Um, the next thing, a little close to home. This is a brother that I've been real cool with on Facebook the last couple of years. He reached out to me. He was a pastor. And um, he reached out to me because he was interested in finding ways to incorporate the things we were talking about online into his church. And I know he did uh, tours to West Africa as well. We've had several conversations and interactions over the last few years. And, uh, you know, I popped up online on Facebook about a week ago and found out he was in the hospital suffering from cancer. And then, uh, yeah, man, two days ago, hopped up on Facebook again, and there it was. He had passed. Um, Not a lot of detailed information. I do know he was struggling with cancer. He was hospitalized, at least I want to say for the last week. Um, From what I understand, he wasn't uh, he wasn't vocal and he he passed Richard A. Honeywell. Um, So um, I never had him on the show, but he and I had some dialogues and I really I really liked the brother and I was sad to hear that he passed. Um, You know, so this is one of those brothers that kind of supported from the clouds and would drop in a word or two here or there. He would send me an article um, or ask me, you know, how he could incorporate things into his church. So I had nothing but respect for the brother. And he passed, you know, um, and all I can say is rest well, good brother, you know, rest well. You know, from what I understand, he's been active for decades. He's been doing his thing in his community. And uh, I never, never heard anybody have a, a negative word about him to say. So, you know, but I wanted to start out by honoring those two brothers um, because I think it's deserved. The last one even though I'm not really a sports aficionado, um, I wanted to at least, you know, end my intro um, on a bit of a high note. Shout out to this latest Super Bowl with uh, two black quarterbacks. You know, that's really all. I'm not even going to go through the article. I just, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I just wanted to celebrate the fact that two brothers were handling their business at the Super Bowl. That's pretty much all I wanted to say about it. Um, Joe Average Brother says, Dela, along with Gil Scott Heron and Tribe, were the basis for many of my poems. Their rhymes, uh, cadence, and messages inspired me, no doubt. No doubt. You know. So, you know, we can celebrate, uh, you know, the lives of brothers who've passed. We can also celebrate the lives of brothers that are still here. So shout out to these two cats. I don't, you know, I don't know who you rock with. I don't know how you felt about the Super Bowl. I don't, I'm not really in it like that, but I will acknowledge brothers who are doing their thing. Shout out to them. This is a piece you can find on PBS.org if you're interested about, um, you know, Super Bowl. So, yeah, check it out at your whim. And uh, let's get into it. So, Yeah. All right. Let's get some of this. Ah, boy, I'm having. This was resolved. Hold on. Let me get this straight. Because it should be here. Oh. All right. I just. 
Let's open it this way. Put it back in rotation. And we can go from there. All right. So this is the thumbnail, um, or at least half of the thumbnail. We'll cover the other half a little bit later. You, uh, if you got a chance to look at the thumbnail itself, you see two uh, brothers on the right-hand side of it in black and white. And this is a reference to what this article refers to here. This is an NPR article, and it's dated uh, 2021, November. It's after more than 70 years, four black men wrongly accused of grape have been exonerated. You see, kind of, you can kind of see the picture there on the screen. You know, memory of the Groveland Four. Says so the judge on Monday officially exonerated four young African American men for the false accusation that they had uh, raped a white woman seven decades ago, making partial and belated amends for one of the greatest miscarriages of justice, Florida's Jim Crow era. The request of the local prosecutor, administrative judge Heidi Davis, dismissed the indictments of Ernest Thomas and Samuel Shepard, who were fatally shot by law enforcement and set aside the convictions and sentences of Charles Greenlee and Walter Irvin, the men known as the Groveland Four, who ranged from 16 to 26 at the time. And they were accused of, you know, violating a white woman in central Florida town of Groveland in 1949. Right. We followed the evidence to see where it led us, and it led us to this moment, said Bill Gladston, local state attorney. Following the hearing in the same Lake County courthouse where the original trials were held, Gladston, a Republican, moved last month to have the men officially exonerated. Men's families said maybe this case will spark a reexamination of other convictions of black men and women from the Jim Crow era so those falsely convicted can have their names cleared. Now, I put these brothers in there because obviously this was a different era the, the types of accusations false accusations uh led to lynchings you know straight up um we don't obviously experience these in exactly the same way but it doesn't mean that what we do experience to this day isn't still connected to this legacy i think black men are more vulnerable because of this kind of legacy because of the assumptions that go along with black masculinity. The idea being that we are inherently violent, inherently threatening, and sexually so. And so when accusations are lobbed at black men, they tend to stick more often than not, at least in the public consciousness, simply because we are black men. There's a distinct type of sexual discrimination that black men face, and I've written about this, that is unique to the stereotypes that we've heard, unique to the ideas that have been associated with black manhood for years. And this is an example. But here you have on CNN.com, this is an article from 2020. Most of you remember, prosecutors say Amy Cooper lied about a black man assaulting her. American history has many other more tragic examples, right? So this was the case, right? This was in New York in the park, if I remember correctly. And you had a black man who I believe worked for Marvel Comics who was accused of violating this woman. And one of the things he was able to do is actually have some recording going on. I think that's actually been one of the game changers uh, in this era to some extent. His name is Christian Cooper. Um, you know, black male walking through the park. I believe I might remember if he was bird watching, but anyway, right, this legacy continues. And this is just one I just pulled out arbitrarily. We're going to go through some more recent ones in a moment, but I just wanted to establish that some of these old things are attached to 
older things, things that go back decades, generations even, and frame in the American imagination who black men are almost permanently. So again, when accusations occur, especially if you're in a situation where it goes to court and you might have to rely on a jury, right? The American consciousness about black men can play a crucial role in your innocence or guilt, not only over the facts of the case, but also in terms of what kinds of um, pre-established ideas people have about black men. And this is one of them. And it affects so many different things. I mean, it can affect you in court. It can affect you at the job, right? Simply on the basis of what people assume about you that paints over and colors how even your behavior is read, right? But we're going to cover a number of different things that speak to various types of mislabeling and false accusations. Right. So we're going to get through them, try and go through them, uh, you know, as quick as I can since it's so late. Um, so let's check them out. So this one here is an interesting one, and it's not directly based on a false accusation in the traditional sense. It's actually based or actually illustrates what I consider uh, how black men and boys tend to be misjudged from the jump. Right. So this is a piece that you can find. This is a tweet that came out. Um earlier today on gender studies for men uh, on Twitter. Let me see. I never know if this stuff plays, but let me make sure the sound is in the right place. And if you guys will give me a one, if you can hear what I'm about to play, I'll just play a second of it. And let me know if you can hear it. Uh-oh. Hold on. And it's still not now. I can't even hear it. So let me try it this way. All right. Let's see if this plays it a little bit. Did you guys hear that screaming just then? Give me a one if you heard it. Give me a two if you did not. What's up, Dusty Nuts? Appreciate the support. Okay. He said you still couldn't hear it. Yeah. All right. I just went through this with my class earlier, except in a whole different context. I was playing PowerPoints and they couldn't hear them. It's just, ugh, it's, it's ridiculous. You would think this stuff would be easy at this point, but it is often not. So I'm gonna go ahead and download it and hopefully I'll be able to at least play it. Hmm. Okay, how can I go about this? Okay, let me see here. Let me see. This is frustrating. So one of the things that comes with not having a whole crew of people doing various things. So let's see if this at all might help. And I have no idea if this is going to work. So this might not work either. If not, I'll just have to walk you through it, but it would be a sorely missed opportunity. It didn't play. So we will try it right here. 
So we'll try it again. Tell me if you guys can at all hear this. We'll go with the one and two again. One, if you can hear it, two, if you can't. I can't even hear that crap. Well, the sound is all the way up and everything. Oh, I know what it is. Let's at least give it an honest try. Let's go. Okay. Can anybody hear that scream? Give me a one if you heard it. All right. So TGR says we have. All right. So this is an interesting kind of moment to look at the treatment of black boys. So this is a class. And as you can see, or at least you might have seen a minute ago when I had it on Twitter, Gender Studies for Men labeled the video such in such fashion. It says girl hits boy, boy defends himself, female teacher abuses boy. So let's check it out. I'm going to play the beginning part again because I want you to see her actually try to pick him up by his neck. Or by his shirt. That's what we're dealing with, right? She's grabbing on him. She's pulling him. All of that. Right? And how much empathy would anybody have? overall because after all you're dealing with a black male they must be trouble they must be responsible so it must be acceptable right but this kind of you know approach to how black males are perceived even as young boys i think falls into how black men are treated later uh yeah that's what we're dealing with Man, I'm, I, I just had a flash for a moment of, of me showing up to my son's school and finding out this had happened. Good Lord. Anyway, but this is what we're dealing with, right? This kind of misjudgment in the sense that if he's responding to having been hit by a girl. This is how the teacher responds to that. Now, again, I've talked about this before, especially through K through 12. There are, there are grade levels where over 90% of the teachers are female. And yet we're supposed to not imagine that this is going to have some kind of impact on the students. When boys are not graduating, when boys are not passing, when their grade performance is low across race, but we're not supposed to imagine that the percentage of female teachers versus males has anything to do with this. But look at what you just saw, right? She's upset with a student. She literally screamed at him in his face, put hands on him, dragged him as if any of that would be acceptable. Can you imagine what would happen if a black male, let alone, a, not just a male teacher, a black male teacher grabbed a female student and treated her just like this, can you imagine the blowback? Dusty says, take out her aggression from her baby daddy on the child. This happened to me. My teacher used to put me in the corner for reminding her of her ex. God damn. But this is what we're talking about. And so I'm saying that this type of misjudgment 
right, early on contributes to the vulnerability black men face in terms of being falsely accused. It speaks to a dehumanizing element in terms of how we're seen. We're seen as less than human, even as boys, even as innocent boys, even as boys who are defending themselves, right? This kind of treatment is now from what I understand, she was suspended, but I haven't seen an article on this yet, but I kind of wanted to frame this because I think it's important. And it leads us up to the inspiration for me anyway, for uh, tonight's show. Of course, that's exactly when the screen goes out. Here we go. So that leads us to this. This is what made me want to do this show tonight. This you can find on the Columbus Dispatch. Jury finds two former Ohio State football players not guilty of grape. Right? This is dated February 9th. See them to the, the two right there hugging. You know? It reads, the Franklin County jury on Thursday found two former Ohio State University football players not guilty of violating a female student in 2020 at a Northwest Side apartment. Amir Irie and J- uh, Jason L. Wint, both 24, were defensive players for the football team when, the then, when a then 19-year-old woman in her freshman year at Ohio State accused them of violating her on February 4th, 2020. The jury found them not guilty on all charges, two counts each of grape and one count each of kidnapping. Reap and Went broke down crying and embraced after the judge uh, after the jury verdict was read. Defense attorneys Dan Sable and Sam Shamansky, who represented Reap and Went respectively, uh, and I apologize if I'm butchering any of their names, uh, argued during the trial that the woman had consensual sex with both men but regretted it afterwards and accused the victim's father of pushing his daughter and authorities to pursue criminal charges. Afterward, Reap and Went told the dispatch they are relieved and grateful to the jury for giving them their lives back. I'm going to get my life back on track, get my degree, and keep on being a law-abiding citizen, Went said. Went completed his degree in human development at Ohio State in 2020, but the university withheld his degree pending the outcome of this trial. Reap is majoring in sports management and has two semesters left at Ohio State before he graduates. He says, I'm grateful. And you grow and you grow through what you go through. Franklin County Assistant Prosecutor Daniel Meyer declined to comment the dispatch after to the dispatch after the verdict. Meyer said during the trial that the woman went to the apartment um, shared by uh, by the men expecting to just hang out with Reap. Um, but both men violently violated her at the same time. The dispatch does not publish the names of the alleged sexual violence victims without their consent. You see them crying there. Szymanski said Went and Reap um, have had their lives upended by a false accusation. He's had his life turned on end by a false accusation with evidence that was so lacking in credibility that charges should never have been brought. Sable said Reap's account has never changed. The jury did a fantastic job discerning the truth and contrasting what Amir said and what his accuser said. It took a long time, but the system worked. Right? As testimony, OSU football players told to get evidence of sexual consent. A key piece of evidence in the case was a cell phone video Reap took of the alleged victim, which was played in court. 
The short video is visually dark, but captured the sound of the woman saying she's crying and then agreeing after Reap asks if the sex was consensual. That's interesting. Reap and a witness, Lloyd uh, McFarquhar, um, another former Ohio State football player who played defensive back and on special teams, testified Wednesday during the trial that players were told to get evidence that their sexual partners consented to protect themselves from any possible future issues. Reap and McFarquhar, uh, who just finished his fifth season with the team, did not testify who on the Buckeye staff told them or other Ohio State players to do this. Ohio State uh, uh, football team spokesman uh, Jerry M. Emig initially declined to comment Wednesday to the dispatch on whether university staff has ever instructed athletes about getting a video record or other evidence of con consent from their sexual partners. Shortly before 5 p.m. Wednesday afternoon, Emig sent a statement to the dispatch by email in general. When the Department of Athletics speaks with student athletes about consent, we work closely with the subject matter experts on campus and follow the university's well-established non-discrimination, harassment, and sexual misconduct policy. Right? You'll see that page one of the policy defines consent as permission that is clear, knowing, voluntary, and expressed prior to engaging in and during an act. Consent is, is active, not passive. Silence in and of itself cannot be interpreted as consent. Consent can be given by words or actions as long as those words or actions create mutable, mutually understandable, clear permission, regardless, regarding willingness to engage in and the conditions of sexual activity. Right. Shout out to Dusty again. He says that, that advice actually saved their lives. Who are you telling? That's real. Uh, Sable Reap's defense attorney played four short videos in court on Wednesday, which he said show instances from 2018 and 19 when Reap recorded women after sex. In the four videos, the women are clothed or not on camera and agree when Reap asked if they what they did was consensual. He testified he told one of the women before recording, I'm on the football team and this is something that we are just taught to do to protect ourselves. It's nothing against you. Reap played for Ohio State for three seasons and went played for four seasons before Ohio State football coach Ryan Day dismissed both players from, uh, from the team days after their charges were filed against them, saying they had filed, uh, they had failed to live up to the standards of uh, Day and the program. Right. Sable and Shemansky in court compared their clients' calm demeanors on the stand to the alleged victim's tearful testimony, pointing out inconsistencies between what she told authorities three years ago and on the stand during the trial. During closing arguments, Meyer told the jury the woman was the victim of a brutal gang rape and urged jurors to compare the four videos Sable presented with the video of the alleged victim. One of these things is not like the others. Listen to what the other women say, their voices, their demeanor, and what they say and how they say it, Meyer said. The jury deliberated less than four hours between Wednesday and Thursday morning before reaching its verdict. Now, juries are not known to be highly empathetic to black men. So all in all, you know, if you find black men who are actually found uh, innocent in a court of law, that's, 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 an, uh, that's, that's not a given by any measure, right? This idea that because black men are male, that they benefit from some kind type of patriarchal pr uh, privilege does not work. Black men don't benefit from patriarchal privilege. We are actually hyper assaulted uh, by patriarchy. Black men are seen as, as the primary threat to patriarchy. So, you know, the, these black men are not going into court and getting judgments 
simply on the basis of being male. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. But these types of false accusations, especially in this Me Too era, right, where these accusations can come quick and fast and they don't require evidence and people don't have to formally come forward. When you see these articles, you'll notice time and time again, the accusers' names are redacted or covered or dismissed or not brought up at all. And even when it's established that the charges filed were false, doesn't seem to be any kind of repercussions. This creates a, a dynamic where false accusations can just be, you know, shot at willy-nilly, especially to not only men of stature, but even uh, young men that have the potential, right? Young men that may go pro, young men that are in positions where they have resources, or they at least will, they have the promise of having access to resources. And you find time and time again, these cases happen, especially to men in those positions, they're found innocent. Nothing happens to the false accuser. Their names aren't even made public, let alone are they actually punished. So we've created a dynamic where we reward false accusations by not punishing people who make them. I think when it comes to the individual people accused, they're just so happy to finally be done with it, they move on, but there's no structured response. And I think that in and of itself is a problem. Because there's no there's no incentive, there's no disincentivizing people from making such claims. But we see institution after institution take these things quite seriously, even with no evidence. A word is enough. I've seen grown men's careers end simply on the basis of a word that was unsubstantiated. And even when just undeniably proved to be false. Nothing. I was talking to a brother yesterday. He was talking about this in a wholly different context. He was talking about it because he actually had to go into family court and he wasn't trying to necessarily get custody. Shout out to Drew 382 for the support. He wasn't trying to get custody of his child. Uh, he was just trying to increase the visitation amounts, you know, the rates, he, he, you know, his baby mama was denying him access to seeing his child. And this was out of state. So he's flying in from out of state to see a child and she's arbitrarily keeping her, uh, keeping the son from you know, being able to see his father. So he went to court. Right? And what he was able to prove in text messages is that all the things she was accusing him of to suggest that he was a horrible father, he showed texts that she sent him that refuted every false accusation she made. But here's the reason I bring that up. Even though he disproved using her own texts, every false accusation she made about him as a father, the judge in question, who was a white woman from my understanding, she would acknowledge that he had disproved the mother's accusation and then she'd quickly move on. There was no, no statement made to the mother that she even made a false accusation or that there were repercussions for making a false accusation or that the impact of these false accusations on him as a father, on her son's mental well-being, none of that was addressed. None of it. And because he was trying to coordinate this case from out of state, he had signed on a lawyer that he didn't find out till after he paid was a lawyer that generally dealt with mothers. So she had a disdain for him, even though he had evidence that every accusation that was being made against him was false. She carried that disdain for him throughout the whole case. And he won the case, 
mind you, it was just for, you know, a little bit more time with his son. So it wasn't anything grand and sweeping like full custody. But even though he won the case and had evidence, his own lawyer, as well as the judge, were all treating him as if he was the problem. And there were multiple accusations about his fathering that he disproved using mainly her own texts to him over the years. There were no apologies. There wasn't even any finger wagging at the mother. There was nothing. And, and although that, that brother deserved some levity and a beer, I told him, I don't want to wreck the mood, but brother, be prepared for her to still not follow through, even though the judge backed you. This is a reality black men face. So whether we're talking about false accusations of rape or whether we're talking about false accusations uh, in regard to fathering in family court, you have this hyper response to the accusation being made when it comes to attacking black men. But even when those black men are proved innocent, whether it's by a jury or a judge, even by a woman judge that had no interest in, in advocating for him in any way, she couldn't deny that he had disproved all the accusations. There was no kind of passion or intense response or anything beyond the pale to advocate for what was true because it fell in line with supporting him. And that's what I think we're dealing with. We're dealing with such an underlying layer of misandry that even when you're right, you're wrong. Even when you're extended justice, it's done passively. And the person who initiated the false accusations gets to walk away scot-free with no punishments. How many times have you guys heard of baby mothers who withdraw, even though they've in a court of law been told that they need to do X, Y, and Z, still won't do it. And you got to go back to the same judge that half-heartedly gave you the judgment, but is in no way trying to passionately defend what even that judge gave you. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're dealing with. So anyway, let's continue, right? Because at this point, we can not only talk about false accusations in court, family court, or, you know, criminal court. We can talk about something else. This is, this is, this is actually not... Yet again, this is not a false accusation in and of itself, but it speaks to a sort of disrespect, right? It's a sort of disrespect. Hold on. It's a disrespect that allows for black men to be violated by women in public. And it doesn't always have to be major, but it can happen. And it's dealt with not only by the law, but even in the court of public opinion, as if it's irrelevant. What am I talking about? Some of you may have seen this come out in the last uh, few hours, right? This is Vibe.com. Buster Rhyme throws drink on fan for grabbing his butt, and she responds, right? She responds. So let me see. Yeah. Have the video here. All right. I'm not going to rely on any sound. We can just check it out. Grabbed his butt. He threw a drink at her. It's a very short video. I'll play it again. He's walking with his crew. No, he brought me to TikTok. 
I mean, uh, Instagram. I don't want to see it on Instagram, so let me go back. Oh, I guess they're not going to let me. Yeah. I got it in that one time, so. But if you saw it, that's what it was. Right? She walked up behind him. She grabbed his behind. He threw a drink at her. Now, the comments from there were a bit of a mess. But let me tell you what her response to this was, right? Recently, an excited fan got a little too handsy with the rap icon, which resulted in Buster throwing a drink on a woman in the blink of an eye. Now, Nikita Mathis, the woman in the viral video touching the Brooklyn MCs behind, has released a statement explaining her actions. She said, I didn't mean to touch his behind. Honestly, I was just happy to meet him and I wanted a pick. Been a longtime fan. I admit I shouldn't have touched him at all, but he's Busta. I felt like I could possibly get a pick. When does that defense work for men, for black men in particular? When can you walk up on a on a female celebrity, grab her behind, and your excuse is, I didn't mean to touch her behind. I just wanted to pick. Does that work? Or do you go to jail? And the interesting thing is if you read, if you read through the comments, the comments are all over the place. But in many ways, she's not, there's no serious scrutiny that she's held to. Now, again, this situation is not violent. Nobody lost their life. Nobody is, is traumatized for life. But what it does speak to is the bifurcated response that we have to when men and women, most particularly in the Black community, experience sexual discrimination. I know this picture is a little blurry, but this is her right here bending over to grab Busta, who's standing there, who's walking right there. So she's literally bending over and putting her hand in his behind. And her response was, she didn't mean to. The double standard becomes a problem because when you actually read the policies about sexual violation, they're fairly gender neutral. Even though the way they're implemented, they're gendered, you know, gynocentrically. But the letter of the law is often very gender neutral. So again, if this were a female celebrity and a male fan, the treatment would be very different. Hell, the, the, the read of it would be very different. And nobody would care. Nobody does care, I'd say. In this, Most people that I, I heard about laughed when they heard about it. Right? There's this idea, right? That women cannot be held accountable. They, they can't be checked. Um, hell, I had one feminist tell me some years ago, you can't even laugh at a black woman, right? You, th th this is the kind of arrogance that we see at this point. I was talking to a, a colleague of mine the other day. He's a storyteller. And you guys have seen him on my show before. But he deliberately conducted a kind of test. He went to a couple of different schools and he was telling stories in multiple classes. And he split the day. The first part of the, the first couple classes he did, he told the story. He told a story about uh, a, a greedy man who makes a fool of himself, is laughed at, and so on and so forth. All students loved it. They thought it was hilarious, male and female. In the second, second half of the day, and he did this multiple days at different schools, the second half of the day, he told the same story, except he reversed the gender. And he made the greedy fool a woman. And the response he got from the students was that, there was something about the story that didn't sit right. It was, there was, it was wrong. 
And when he got them to talk about why it was wrong, it was because the woman was made out to be foolish and greedy. And that was an inherently uh, inaccurate framing because women aren't supposed to be greedy or foolish. So we're in an era where you will have people tell you you can't laugh at women. You can't tell stories that position them as human, basically, whether it's greedy, whether it's foolish. Those are human conditions. Those are human expressions. But somehow we are not conditioned to watch media or intake anything that allows us to see the human condition in women. Much of what we take in is propaganda. And when it comes to gender, that propaganda is such that it supports the idea of female superiority. But he was conducting this amongst students in a classroom, not a television show or recording. And he was doing this directly. And he said, just looking at the faces, most of the students didn't know how to respond to the story. But when it was a male that was being foolish, everybody knew how to respond. There was no hesitation to laugh. There was no hesitation to dismissively uh, talk about the character. But when she was made the greedy fool, they were unsure how to interpret it. Even the men, even the boys, uh, the males, the young men, they, they weren't, they, he said they were, they were stone-faced and quiet, right? The women in the class, the young women were visibly angry. The males were stone-faced and quiet, but in the prior classes, everybody laughed, right? This is where we are. This is where we are. So even even though we're talking about Buster and we know he's okay, the fact that that can happen but not happen in the reverse is a problem in and of itself. But let's look at a different type of false accusation. Some of you may be familiar with this one. This is dated uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Kel Mitchell, right? Of, of, of uh, Kel and Keenan, y'all know, there you go. And some of you guys may have seen this one. Kel Mitchell's ex-wife claims she's $3 million in debt and accused the Nickelodeon star of presenting false evidence to the court, insist he still owes over $1 million in back support. Right? After her initial request was shut down, Kel Mitchell's ex-wife is demanding a judge order him to pay back child and spousal support. Taisha Hampton has mar- uh, was married to the former Nickelodeon star from 1999 to 2005. And they share two children together, son Lyric and daughter Allure. However, weeks ago, after months of Hampton and Mitchell fighting in court, a judge determined the actor does not have to pay, does not have to pay the $1.2 million Hampton believes she's owed. Documents state that she was paid in full by petitioner, but she feels otherwise. According to new legal documents obtained by Radar Online, Hampton is taking Mitchell back to court claiming he's not made one spousal support payment to the respondent. As of February 6th, the petitioner currently owes $315,692.51 in spousal support arrears. In addition, she claims the Good Burger star presented false information to the court and that he, in fact, does owe her money. She insists he owes another $725,000 in child support payments. Strangely enough. I've never had that much money in raising my son, and he seems to be okay. But anyway, according to Hampton, she was she has suffered tremendously as a result of the Keenan and Kel star's fraudulent and malicious conduct, including his alleged financial abuse. 
She added that she is $3 million in debt while he makes over $60,000 a month. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting, right? So she claims he owes about a million dollars, but she's $3 million in debt. And that's his fault. This is Hampton's latest attempt of getting what she feels she's owed after years of making accusations against Mitchell. She characterized him as a man who didn't provide financially for his children and barely saw them after their separation. Their daughter, Allure, supported the allegations against her father, whom she previously described as an absentee father. Mitchell has always disputed their claims, including insisting that he did not owe Hampton any back support. He also denied being absent from his kids' lives for a decade. Previous documents detail Hampton's long history of foul play. According to the entertainer's lawyer, uh, Mitchell said he was forced to file bankruptcy due to their divorce, which caused him more of a financial struggle. Aisha has done everything in her power to drag me through her path of destruction, he said in court. I was forced to start over and made an active effort to get my life and affairs in order. I focused on rebuilding my relationships and my career. Despite my best efforts, I've still had to spend all these years and thousands of dollars to defend myself against her actions. When outlets began reporting about the latest court update with Mitchell and his ex-wife, fans on social media came to his defense. This makes single mothers seeking real help from their children's father look bad. Judge, uh, judge said it's paid in full. Leave that man alone. Right? So he finally got some support, which is good. Right? But how easy is it to violate a black man's public image? Shout out to Mr. Me Too. Appreciate that support two times. Says salute, Doc. Thanks for all your contributions on rebranding the black man's image and giving us the language to combat the foolishness. Support hashtag black men media. Appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Shout out to Queen Kalila. How you doing, lady? See you in there. You know, this is what we're looking at. Another type of false charge. So I was talking, we're talking about false accusations, false charges of various types. We've talked about uh, a variety of types. And in this latest one, we looked at the family court. Right? And what this can do to a public reputation. And again, what incentive does a court have to rule in black men's favor? Very little. Especially if you're talking about family court. You know. Well, let's look at another. It's another type of false charge. Um, now, since I know these things don't play on Twitter through here, let me, hmm. all right, let me just go ahead and download it, see if it'll let me, there we go, bear with me for a second, I will do what I did last time, since that worked, don't know how it worked, don't know why it worked, but if it worked, I'm gonna do it again. Um, so in this context, we're going to talk a little bit about false paternity and we're going to look at how that affects black men. Um, hmm, where'd it go? Ah, come on, come on, come on. Where did it go? All right. I apologize to go somewhere so let me find it this way there it is 
can't go right. All right, so here you have a brother dealing with a DNA test that came back negative while he has the child. So let's listen to what he has to say about that. Make sure the sound is up. And I think I have to turn this off. And then here we go. Sit on camera, Devin. Get this shit on camera, bro. I've been calling this girl all morning, bro. The paper just came in. I've been calling her all morning, dummy. Find out the baby not mine. What am I? Like, bro. This girl been playing in my face all morning, bro. All morning. You come drop that baby off. With no. And you gonna bring out. Been calling her all morning, darling. All morning, bro. I do everything for both of them, bro. Her and her mother. I take care of these girls, bro. I just, I just got a new house, bro. I just moved. I put my entire life for this. She been on your ass about this shit. To find out, did wrong, bro. To find out the baby not mine, bro. To find out that the baby not mine, bro. And it's crazy, bro. Out here who don't even, don't even know their child's name, let alone his birthday, bro. I'm out here doing everything for bro. Look what she left. Bro. What is this? What is what is a baby doing with a teeth? What is a baby going to do? Not even a diaper, not a wiping hand, nothing. Oh no. Nothing. No ointment, no banking, no nothing. Nothing. Look at my baby. She's coughing. She's sick. But you got the money and all of that to go on trips. You just came back from Bermuda. Bro, come on, bro. And it's crazy because I guarantee it's that she just pulled up, but I guarantee, I guarantee, bro, I guarantee that's a, that's probably her father. When he dropped the baby, oh, I guarantee it, bro. I'm ready to call her mother. I'm ready to call her this, bro. They both did, mom. I'm ready to call her mother. He probably know that's his baby, too, and all that, like. Hello? Girl? Yeah, it'd be tough to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to be rude. I just got to get work. This baby is not mine. That's exactly why I just said this baby is not mine, Michelle. Have you talked to her? Have you seen her? Have you? I'm sorry. I don't. I ain't, I ain't trying to bring my voice. I apologize. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just want to understand as to why I had this responsibility on me, and she know this baby not mine. This your daughter. That's the only person I can call to get in contact with. Yeah. Now here's the thing. A couple things. I hear people tell me all the time. Well, these are skits, Doc. These are skits. And my whole, I just want to clarify my position on skits. The skits that I play speak to the lives that many black men live. So even if this were, and y'all kill me with this because there's some people that clearly 
need to win some major acting awards with these skits. But I'm going to tell you this, even if that was a skit, I personally know black men that have been through that very exact situation who have raised daughters and found out that those daughters weren't there. I know men who raised daughters to adulthood only to find out from the mother that she knew she lied and it wasn't even a question. She used him for his resources, his time and his attention and his heart. She knew he would love her daughter and lied about it until she got to adulthood. So whether these things are skits or not, I'm here to tell you I play it because it actually does happen. That's the only reason that people will do a skit because it resonates with folks because it is something that people experience. I don't know if this is a skit. If it is, that brother deserves an acting award. But my only point is this stuff, this happens regardless. It happens regardless, right? And nobody cares. Nobody cares. You can actually spend your entire, that child's entire life supporting them through adulthood. And nobody cares if you've been lied to, tricked, none of that. If anything, they'll giggle. You know how heart-wrenching that must be to find out that this child... And you know what most people will tell you, especially especially in the comment sections where I see hear a lot from women, well, that's still your child. The moment you, you decided you loved this child, they were yours, and you should take care of them. And they will finger-wag at you as if you are the biological father who tried to abandon the child. In the Black community, we have no remorse when it comes to false paternity. We and, and, and here's the thing, even if you don't know the child, even if you don't, you haven't loved the child already, you know what people will tell you? People will say, well, the child needs a father anyway. I'm like, look, get the DNA test before you sign the birth certificate. That That's, or I should say, that's what I would do. I can't prescribe advice for people. So I, that, you know, now that I know what I know, that's what I would do. But at the end of the day, nobody loses any, nobody drops any tears. If you find yourself in this situation, if anything, people laugh or shame you into staying into a, in a situation that 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 is that really violates you. But you know, you're disposable. You're interchangeable. Shout out to Beastly Nerd for the support. Expansion Wiring for the support. Appreciate that. Frederick, appreciate that support on the Cash App. Right. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. But yeah. That's another, you know, again, another type of false accusation, you know, in a sense, you are falsely told you're the father. And you're expected to follow through on that role as long as it suits her. And of course, the child. Because they, they know that in this regard, it's going to be hard as hell for you to walk away if you can do it. They're banking on the fact that you're not going to. This is what I'm saying. You're you you're actually we're actually seeing men whose love is being weaponized against them. They're shamed if they try to walk away. They're not even applauded if they stay. It's treated as if it should be a given. Simply because there's a child without a father, but nobody actually examines her behavior. It's not about her. It always becomes about him. Whether he leaves or whether he stays, the focus is on him. It's not on her. But this type of false manipulation is no different than the ones that we've spent the show going through. And just to be clear, why do I bring all these up? I've said this repeatedly over the years. 
the issues that I'm bringing up have to do with the abuse of institutions that black men have no no hold over. I mean, these institutions we tend to find ourselves subject to, family court being one of the major ones. Whereas women tend to have a different relationship. Black women have a different relationship with these institutions and they can levy them against you in proxy form simply because it can be a mood issue. It can be a control measure. It can be just to kick you in the nuts. It's simply the fact that she can. Now, when you factor that over several generations, if we take this back to, I'll just pull arbitrarily, just go back to the 1960s. If you can leverage institutions against black men at your whim, and this is something grandmother can pass down to daughter, can pass down to granddaughter, can pass down to great granddaughter, and say these are these are institutions that you have access to. If he does this, girl, go do this. Now, I grew up in a family full of women. I've heard these discussions, not only in my family, I've heard them in other families. It is a passed down set of practices on what you can do to control men by proxy. That's the reason I'm talking about false accusation. We're talking about accusations where there's no evidence required. Courts and institutions just believe and then enforce their will or her will against you as a black male. You have very few options to respond and everybody seems fine with it. Now, if you have the money, obviously you can hire a lawyer and you got to go back and forth. And there are many brothers that have done that. And they've been successful at different levels. But ask them what it cost. And I'm not saying it wasn't worth the cost. I'm saying they shouldn't have had to pay it. But again, if you're going to talk about a community, how does a community function when almost split down the line, one gender has access to resources and institutions the other one doesn't and can primarily only use those resources to attack the other gender? And it cannot happen the other way. Not in any large measure, not in any significant numbers, do you see it happen the other way? It doesn't. And yet it's considered perfectly acceptable that it happens this way to far too many people. Even the men, we've grown to accept it because we've never known a day where we could push back, right? And this is why you have brothers, you know, Passport Brothers isn't just about sex. A lot of brothers are leaving because the leverage is exhausting, and they'd like to be in a situation where the whole cultural landscape is different. There is no underlying contempt simply because you exist. EGS just did a video uh, about an hour or two ago, I, th- I think it was, uh, on the two uh, killers in relationships. Go look at look at contempt. Go watch that video and look at what contempt does. And contempt, in many respects, is baked into too many of our relationships between black men and women. Yeah, I know hardcore community loving nationalists that when I sit down and get a beer in them and I'm, I'm talking about women. They'll come out the mouth and say, yeah, yeah, I physically assaulted my boyfriends or my husbands in the past simply because I could. Yeah, I've lied about paternity. Yeah, I've lied to get checks and money. Yeah, I've called the police on him simply because he pissed me off. He didn't actually do what I accused him of. And I can't tell you how many brothers I have reach out to me at this point on a daily basis to tell me these stories, losing jobs, going to jail. And and again, we're we're not talking about um, some, whatever stereotypical image we have of a woman from the hood with tattoos all over herself, acting out whatever scenario we've seen. No, 
we're talking, I mean, these are stories coming from men who are dealing with women with doctorate degrees, middle-class upbringing, well-to-do, the kind of women that if you saw walk by you or you held a conversation with, you would never believe the kind of things he's endured. See, this is the problem. When you can get that from any woman, regardless of class, geography, upbringing, when you can get that kind of behavior, what do you do? And the reason you can get that kind of behavior across the spectrum is because the capacity to misuse these institutions is available across the spectrum. And these are the same institutions that force black men to compete with the United States government for the women they want. If she's poor, you got to compete with welfare access. If she's middle class, you got to complete compete with college degrees and white collar jobs. Now, certain men, a small percentage of men can do that. Overwhelming majority can't. All right. Shout out to Stardust. Appreciate that support. Because black men always are obligated to take care of kiddos that aren't theirs. Yeah, black women can uh, gallivant, dismiss, and erase kiddos with no consequences. Yeah, that might have to be a, a, a show I do a little bit later. Because there have been a lot of deletions. I guess that's the new term we're using now. Been a lot of deletions of kids because the the economic environment has shifted and it's left these. It, it's left um, families that are used to receiving a certain level of support now in a whole different situation. And now the, 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 the times we've heard that men aren't necessary, we're finding that to not be the case, but let's continue. Only got a couple more. So this is the latest. And I call this a false accusation. I'll tell you why. So, you know, we heard about Megan Hall, right? This is the police officer that slept with a gang of people in her department, in her precinct. And there were a number of firings that took place in response to it. Well, then she turned around and she claimed that she was groomed by her fellow officers to sleep with everybody. Right. Former Tennessee police officer who was forced off the department in disgrace after it was discovered she slept with over 60 percent of the force has filed an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission complaint against the city she once protected. Megan Hall, who became internationally known earlier this year for her outrageous sex scandal, claims the hostile working conditions at the Laverne Police Department led her to eventually sleep with multiple men at the department. Hall claims that several of the supervisors groomed her and utilized her sexually without her consent. Former officer also claims that the chief of the police department, Chip Davis, was condoning such grooming. Additionally, Hall claimed that Davis asked her to dance for him in his office. According to WSMV, a third-party investigation revealed that Davis potentially violated federal law by not reporting sexual misconduct. Hall went on to complain that female officers at the department were treated as sexual objects and targets for verbal and physical harassment. So the narrative here has shifted. The narrative has shifted. And by suggesting that she was groomed, she basically is holding the entire sink responsible. And at this point, this is another form of a grape accusation, not against any one individual, but against an entire precinct. But here's the problem. How exactly do you disprove that? I would say the football players we looked at earlier might have offered 
a better example than what the officers did. They got video consent. But in this scenario, the first story that came out was that she slept with, as I said, 60%. I didn't even know it was 60 until I read this particular article. But 60% of the force she slept with. And that was viewed in a very particular way. And keep in mind, she was married. And apparently, it said that her husband didn't know. So he was publicly embarrassed. Right? But it said as a Christian, he was going to stay with her. I ain't judging it. Do your thing, player. I don't even like to be second, let alone 50th. But, you know, you like them sloppy. Anyway, you do your thing if that's what you like. But now, the rabbit has got the gun. And she's turned around and instead of leaving this at something she did that she should be embarrassed for, she turned around and made herself the victim. We'll yet, I've yet to see if there's any evidence that she's lobbied or she's leveled at any of the, according to the article, it doesn't seem to be any. See, it's a matter of perspective, right? It's a matter of narrative. She just changed the narrative. She didn't, so far as we can tell, provide any additional evidence to back her point. But she understands that the public is very clear with a you know female violation narrative. The public is fairly uncomfortable with female promiscuity. Promiscuity, sexual promiscuity, is framed as uh, being liberated. It's framed as an empowerment gesture. But when convenient, it can be flipped into a narrative of exploitation. And you don't even need evidence. Hell, I'm surprised they're showing her picture. But then again, the reason they're showing her picture is because she didn't start this with a claim of having been violated. Had she started with that, if the first time we heard this story was because of that, they may not have shown her face or given her exact name. But because the, it came out the way it did, that she slept with 60% of the force, we're, she's visible. But now that she's flipped the narrative, she's already out there. So now we got to see what happens. And I'll, I'll withhold judgment formally speaking, until I can see what evidence has come forward. But the reason I'm raising this question here isn't to say who's guilty or who's innocent. I'm raising the question about this case in, in regard to false accusation because she was able to flip the narrative with no evidence at this point. If she came out right now and said, I have video evidence of how I was violated, let me show it to you. I mean, we've been watching videos throughout the whole show, right? She could have done that. Had she done that, I'd be like, okay, let's check that out. She didn't have to do it. She simply stated that it was a different narrative, that she was, in fact, not um, an agent in her own behavior. She was a victim of an entire department and didn't even need any evidence for this article to be written. So she's being public. She's able to flip this narrative and have it be publicly regarded, meaning the public now has to sift through it and decide what to think. But the problem is I've known too many black men that were falsely accused of something and they couldn't get any kind of public acknowledgement to point out their innocence or to even have the public consider their case. But she can get international attention by flipping the narrative and so far not providing in any evidence of consequence. And it's perfectly okay for her to do so. She might actually make millions out of this, depending on how far this goes and how it goes. This is how vulnerable men are. That's what it is. Shout out to Derek. Appreciate the support. He said the disrespect is crazy. No doubt. 
Life of Commerce. Um, says gifted five uh, Dr. Tia Son Johnson memberships. Wow, much appreciated. Thank you for that. Never seen that before. Dusty says, next thing you know, brides are groomed into marriage. That's why it's marriage. It's a, that's why it's a marriage strike. Ain't no grooms. Real talk. See, it, it, every time you see one of these situations where you have a, an accusation with no evidence, you have another, um, you know, celebrity wife who fleeces her husband in family court. Every time these things happen, men take another step back and another step back, and another step back. And then eventually, as, as we're hearing now, people turn around and say, well, where are all the men? Men respond to, you know, issues. They respond to real life events. We may learn slow, but we learn. And men are responding. But this is basically an accusation of violation on a scale we've not seen. See, she's not saying an individual person violated her. She's saying a whole precinct did. With no evidence. But she's able to say it. That's deep to me. That's real deep. This is another one. Now, this in and of itself is not a false accusation, but you'll see why I'm going to show you this in a minute. This is an article came out January 25th. Mike Tyson accused of graping a woman in 1990 is being sued for $5 million. All right. Now, the reason that I'm showing you this is because in regard to false accusations, and I'm not saying this is false. I don't know. Personally, if, if if my belief on it is, if a man is committing that act, he he definitely needs to go to jail. But the problem is, these accusations could be made with no substantiating evidence, and nobody has a problem with it. But the reason I'm 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 showing you this is because of these couple sentences here that I thought were interesting. The legal docs timeline of an unknown woman's accusations. Now keep that in mind. Unknown woman. She doesn't have to come forward. There are no pictures of her. Her name is not in the paper. She's an unknown woman. The legal docs timeline of an unknown woman's accusation aligns with a high profile case stemming from a July 1991 assault in Indianapolis. The boxer was accused of raping Desiree Washington, a then 18 year old beauty pageant contestant. He was later found guilty of the rape charge, excuse me, rape charge on February 10th, 1992 and was sent to prison for three years. Her claim, so this is the new person, her claim was filed under New York State's Adult Survivors Act, granting sexual assault survivors one year to file suits over assaults that transpired decades ago. The victim wants to remain anonymous throughout the case, believing that the public knowing her identity would pose a risk to me of further mental harm, harassment, ridicule, or personal embarrassment. So because of that, Adult Survivors Act, right? Sexual assault uh, survivors, you know, they have a whole year to file suits over loss, over uh, assaults that transpired decades ago. This is interesting. How do you prove, and I'm talking, so I'm going to talk to the brothers over 40, right? So let's say, so I'm 48. If somebody says that something took place in 1993, How do you disprove that? 
See, the question isn't how does she prove it? The question is, how do you disprove it? How do you do that? It's hard enough to say what happened last year, but 20 something, 30 something years ago. How do you disprove that? What then? If her word is enough without evidence and she doesn't even have to put her name, her face out there, you can just be arbitrarily sued. And I find it interesting yet again, we're not talking about some dude that works at the supermarket. We're talking about another celebrity. Now, do I believe celebrities are void of such behavior? No, absolutely not. I just find it extremely suspect that these cases can go through and reach a court without any evidence and anonymously. That's ridiculous. And yet, par for the course. So whether he's found guilty or he has to settle out of court, hell, at the very least, even if he's found innocent, this does, you know, it just adds further to his uh, reputation, right? Simply because, again, we're talking about black men much easier to accuse black men because we're already primed to see black men a certain way. Now, I'm going to get to what I think is the solution or a solution to a lot of this. That's this case here. Michael Irving sues woman for $100 million over Super Bowl hotel misconduct accusations. That's him right there. Michael Irving, who was supposed to, as I understand it, uh, you know, announce the Super Bowl, was denied the opportunity because he was accused of saying something that was considered a violation to a young lady in a hotel lobby. Now, he was there with fans. They have pictures of him there. The conversation was said to have occurred in a very short period of time, like less than a minute. He barely remembered what the conversation entailed, but apparently the accusations were such that, you know, she accused him of problematic behavior. And in response, he lost the opportunity to announce the game, announce the Super Bowl. Michael Irvin has filed a hundred million dollar lawsuit against the female employee. She was an employee of the hotel, I believe who accused him of alleged misconduct during an interaction at a Glendale hotel on Sunday night, which led to the NFL network removing him from its Super Bowl 2023 coverage. Now, here's the thing. You have an argument between two people about what was said in a conversation that I believe took place in less than a minute. And that happened, um, uh, what is it? Sunday night, right? but we're going to somehow figure out what happened 30 years ago. And you're forced to defend yourself. You're on the defense. It's not innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty until proven innocent. You have to figure out how to defend yourself about something that may have occurred decades ago, but this man can't even clarify. And it's not, I'm not saying this as, as if this is his fault. I'm saying because of the nature of the scenario, he can't even just straightforward deny what took place Sunday fucking night. But we supposed to have a conversation about something that happened decades ago. Word. That's what that's that's what we're doing. In the lawsuit filed on Thursday and obtained by TMZ, the Hall of Fame wide receiver accused the hotel's management and its employees of making him the victim 
of cancel culture and alleged he's been railroaded with false accusations. Rash and thoughtless actions can have severe consequences. The lawsuit reads, Marriott apparently, Marriott apparently did not appreciate, oh, I'm sorry, Marriott, the hotel, apparently did not appreciate these simple truths when, in a rush to judge, in a rush to judgment, its employees and management inaccurately and inflammatorily accused Mr. Irvin of misconduct to the National Football League. Earlier this week, Irvin, who currently serves as an analyst with NFL Network and appears on ESPN's first take, told Dallas Morning News that there's absolute, there absolutely was no sexual wrongdoing and that he had a 45-second conversation with the woman whom he shook hands with in the lobby of the hotel. During a separate interview with Shannon RJ on 105.3, the fan, in, the fan in Dallas, on Wednesday morning, the former Cowboys star explained that he was told he had to move to a different hotel due to his encounter with the woman, which occurred after Irvin said he returned from having dinner and a few drinks with former Cowboys, uh, Cowboy Michael Brooks. According to the lawsuit, multiple witnesses seen with Irvin in a photo obtained by TMZ corroborated Irvin's initial claim that he casually exchanged pleasantries with the female employee, Jane Doe, and shook her hand and went to his room alone. Lawsuit states that when Irvin and his team became aware of the allegations, they attempted to provide witness accounts to the hotel to rectify the situation, which they alleged the hotel staff refused to listen. Lawsuit goes on to accuse the hotel's manager of reporting the alleged incident uh, to the NFL with the intention of damaging that relationship and canceling Irvin. Details of the woman's allegations are not publicly known. Irvin's attorney, Levi McCathern, told TMZ that his client's reputation has been damaged and that Irvin has lost out on money and canceled appearances as a result of the false accusations. It's clear Michael is the latest victim of our cancel culture where all it takes is an accusation to ruin a person's life. Michael looks forward to clearing his name in court and hopes the court of public opinion will see the truth come out as well. You know, the weird thing about this, though, as, I, as I've said, is even when you prove your innocence, there's, there's a mark on you. There's a stain simply because there was an accusation. To, to an extent, certain people don't care if you're innocent or not. The accusation is enough. The accusation is a condemnation that's just true because it inherently was extended. NFL Network spokesman Alex uh, Reithmiller, I guess, said in a statement to the Post that Michael Irvin will not be part of the NFL Network Super Bowl uh, 20. Uh, oh shit, what is it? I don't know, 23. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so out of the loop on the Super Bowl. I'm bad. My bad. Um, I don't remember how much that was. 57? I don't know what it is. A week coverage. Irvin will not make his regular Friday appearance on ESPN's first take. Prior to news of the incident being made public, Irvin covered opening night at Super Bowl 2023 on Monday and appeared on first take. But there it is. There it is. Right? The response to a false accusation in this day and era, day and age, you got to be litigious. You got to take people to court at this point. And it's important that those with the resources to take people to court do so. Because what it does is it sets precedent, not only legal precedent, but precedent in the public consciousness. Right? See, this is this is the importance of the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation. It's not because, 
you know, Johnny's just cool because he's cool. When he was able to establish, especially using those recordings of Amber Heard, that women can knowingly abuse the public sentiment about female innocence and inherent male guilt. When he was able to put that on the record and win his case, it what it said to the public was common sense, but still necessary at some point to be stated and proved, right? What it said was women can knowingly abuse the public trust that still has this Victorian era idea that women are inherently good simply because they're women. Remember what I said about the storyteller earlier? Women and girls are inherently right. They're inherently good because they exist. Men are inherently problematic, again, because we exist. So these kind of public cases are serious pushback, and especially if they happen more than once. So if Michael Irvin is innocent and he's able to prove it in court and win his lawsuit, again, sets precedent, legal precedent and precedent in terms of the public sensibility about the capability of women. See, the problem here. It's not that we're trying to malign women. What we're trying to say is if men are inherently evil and women are inherently good, the majority of the stories can't really be told because the reality is both men and women are human. Men are as capable of good as we are bad. And likewise with women, women can abuse power and exploit it simply because they have it because they're human. And that's what human beings tend to do when they get unchecked power. You get unchecked power to do whatever you want. Guess what? It tends to get abused. How exactly women are exempt from that? I have no idea. But when you have too many men that have lost jobs, lost their reputation. See, we're t- these celebrities, we're talking about the stuff that's in the news. We're not talking about the everyday brothers who've, look, I've told stories on this channel of men who've gotten out of prison. And after a decade of building themselves up, had women arbitrarily, some of them even having their wives, arbitrarily call the police and accuse them of of abuse and rape and a variety of things. Why? Not because he did it, but because she was mad that he came home late. Because she was mad that she didn't get her way. Because she wanted to control him. Or if nothing else, she wanted to make sure he understood who made the decisions in that household. Because at the end of the day, she had proxy. She had a proxy resource that he didn't have. Meaning, yeah, both people can call the police. More than likely, one person is more readily going to be believed. I've seen cops show up to doors where the man is bleeding, and they'll still arrest him. And he's trying to actually say what happened. They'll still arrest him. I've seen women cuss out judges in court and get nothing. If he slightly raises his voice, he might be found in contempt. There was a case a few months ago, I think it was, of a woman, I want to say it was in New York, where she sued, she sued a guy she dated for a bad first date. And the whole time she was yelling at the judge. This is all, you know, taking place over Zoom or whatever. And she's yelling at him and she's just all out of pocket. Hell, there was a, there was a, a, a family court case you can watch on uh, Pink Book's channel just in this last week. These women are in court acting a damn fool, yelling at judges, and these judges don't push back at all. And the men are sitting there quiet as a church mouse because they know if they speak up, the repercussions are dire. Yeah. 
But here's the last thing I want to say about this. I'm going to take us back to 17-point blackmail political agenda. And I'm going to close with this because it speaks to what we're talking about. You go to number six, out of all 17 different points raised here, criminal law reform and law enforcement. Right? So you go to that one and you scroll all the way down to F. You deal with false accusations. And what it says is there should be clear and more stringent punishments for filing false charges against black men. Knowing that black men are denigrated, stereotyped, and wrongfully convicted more than, and to a greater degree, others, such accusations can have a far, more far-reaching and detrimental impact on black men's lives. Black men are the most exonerated group due to false accusations, according to the National Registry of, of Exonerations, New Kirk Center for Science and Society, University of California, Irvine. They state, African-Americans are only 13% of the American populations, but a majority of the innocent defendants are wrongfully convicted um, of crimes and later exonerated. They constitute 47% of the 1900 exonerations listed in the National Registry of Exonerations as of 2016. And the great majority of more than 1800 additional innocent defendants who are framed and convicted of crimes in 15 large-scale police scandals and later cleared in group exonerations. So police scandals that take place at the expense, most particularly of black men, meaning that whatever scandal they're into, they know they can throw it on black men because, again, it's more likely to stick. So here we have a situation where there were 1,800 additional innocent defendants who were framed and convicted of crimes and 15 large-scale police scandals and later cleared in group exonerations. That raises the question, how many more were never cleared? How many more were never found to be innocent? I mean, the amount of resources that goes into a case to prove that, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Brian Banks. I suggest you watch it, right? But the amount of energy that goes into proving an innocent man to be innocent is pretty serious. And if you're not able to put forth that energy or help get others to do it for you, you may sit in a cell as an innocent man simply because you weren't able to get anybody to expend a great deal of energy to back what may be inherently true, what, not inherently, but may be true simply because it's true, right? You didn't do it. Not a guarantee you'll get out. But of the cases where this was actually discovered, where resources were put to bear to find out who was innocent, the overwhelming uh, majority, as, as far as any one group, seemed to be black folk. And what they're not saying here is it's really black men. It's really black men. Thus, whimsically dangerous charges with questionable slash unreliable evidence or no evidence at all should be harshly dealt with to dissuade others from repeating this action against any already vulnerable population. So in other words, you're going to falsely accuse black men of something that you know is going to is going to more adversely impact them, whether innocent or guilty. If the claim is found to be frivolous or false, the punishment should be pretty tense. The punishment should be pretty extreme. Because when there is no punishment, and, the per and people don't even have to reveal their names publicly or their face, all it does is create an environment where we incentivize people to arbitrarily shoot their shot at accusing somebody of whatever they want. Think about it, especially if you're talking about celebrities and we're going into a goddamn recession. What actually prevents you from, from accusing? I mean, really, 
I don't remember who I might have been having a conversation with back 30 years ago. Hell, there were a few nights in college. I don't know who the hell I was with 30 years ago. But you telling me a celebrity is going to remember that? Somebody with millions of dollars? And right now you got people being evicted in record numbers. There's nothing preventing people from being arbitrarily accused of anything simply because it's convenient to do so. And this is a problem. And it's a problem that's really unique to heterosexual men. And it needs to be checked. Shout out to paid players are in demand. It says perjury is already a felony in California. 96% of inmates are men. Yeah. But to what extent are we seeing people lie? Like the cases I covered tonight. Right. To what extent are we seeing them go to jail? Curious to know. MC Recovery Wellness and Relapse Network says data uh, you shared the, shared the other night was on point. I will share some of it. At our first Boys to Men Faith to Action Conference. Wow. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks for the support. Uh, shout out to Derek. Says less than a minute of uh, interaction can destroy your life. Real talk. Real talk. Shout out to Ebo Sosa. What's good? So what's next? Locking up breastfed babies for touching the breast of a woman who asked to hold it. <laughs> we might be at that point. <laughs> shout out to Spain, man. Uh, it says gifted one Dr. Uh, Hassan Johnson membership. Thank you for that. Good to see you, Spain man. Uh, Durante, shout out to you. Says thank you for all you do. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. So all I would say, fellas, be careful. Keep your head on a swivel. Operate with consent. Be, be purposeful about what you do. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can prepare for. I mean, in terms of what's already happened, right? Depending on your state and where they are as far as far as these policies about convictions, you may be held accountable about, you know, something that didn't even take place prior to when you were made aware that this is dangerous, that interactions with certain kinds of people are dangerous. And there's nothing you can do about it at this point as far as that. All you can do is operate from this day forward. And all I can say from this day forward is to be as careful as possible because people are desperate. Times are desperate. Food is expensive as hell. Gas, finding a place to live. Rents are higher. People are having trouble buying homes. Shit is getting desperate. And when things get desperate, it incentivizes people to act even more desperate and take advantage of any loophole they can find, any vulnerable situation they can exploit. The system is incentivizing them to do so. And they're not even getting slapped on the hand when they do it. Hey, Rue, what's good with you, man? Appreciate the support. Yeah, send me uh, uh, the next article. You mentioned it was coming out this week. Let me know about it. All right. So that said, curious to hear your thoughts. Want to hear what you think about this. Want to hear what you think about some of the cases you heard uh, tonight. You know, give me your feedback. If you have some alternative uh, cases to present, if you have some other things to add to the discussion, please go ahead and put it in the comment section. Appreciate the support. You know, apologize for the late show, but uh, to the 320 that came out, hit the like button. Thank you for engaging me this late. And for the rest of y'all, I want y'all to have a good night because it is what it is. It's about that time. 
So I will check out and I will see y'all soon. Make sure you guys stay on your toes. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we're not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellect, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic and selfish and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.